everyone. Welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by ClearSky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky. Optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. All right, Corey, what are we talking about today? Man, Duke, today we're going to talk about frequently asked questions from those who are participating in boot camps. Oh, yes. There are a couple major boot camps out there, and there are going to be many, 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 many more in the next few years, right? Or the next... Yeah. The next few months, days. <laughs> We've and, got and notably there's one less. Notably, yes. We won't go into the details of that, I don't think. No, I don't want no. to. Yeah. I no, mean, we can skip the details, but Yeah. Yeah. I mean everybody in there is capable. They can they can you're grown ups, right? They're very resourceful people. They can handle themselves, right? Absolutely. We don't have to fight that battle for them. But we what we do have to do is make sure they get to the finish line they want best right uh, that right there don't have to fight the battle have to make sure that they got the resources they need to succeed that's right because they're gonna they're gonna get it done anyway right it's just like how fast can we get them there yeah exactly okay like how helpful so, can we be on that yeah, road right 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 then we also got rise up program right so they want to have a million people done by 2024 that's a million with an m that's, yeah, <laughs> capital m and right can i just go on a rant here Go for it. With the drama around one of these boot camps and the number of people who are now trying to find a path to a finish line, right? Right. What do you th suppose? There's like 200, 300 of them? Yeah. 400? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've seen estimates up to like 700. Let's give it 700. If we can't help people get clarity on a finish line, a system getting across it, if we can't do that in days... In yeah. days, <laughs> by yeah. two weeks from now, how on earth is the ecosystem going to add 999,300 more people? Fair enough, right? <laughs> you know, it's just like, like, do you want fries with that? <laughs> yeah, man, like this is exactly the thing. We've got a situation and now we got to respond. And if we can't respond in days with the collective knowledge of the ecosystem, which is vast and deep and targeted. If we can't turn that around in days and give folks a roadmap, uh, some kind of access to resources, the ability, if we can't do that in days, then how do you train a million people at scale, right? That's like right. I, I'm sure there are some minds at ServiceNow who are literally probably thinking about this, this right. problem right now. Again, it's not a mean-spirited comment to ServiceNow, right? But I think somebody would argue, well, as soon as ServiceNow gets in, and starts its engine up, then, you know, people will come in by the thousands. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, if that's true, and they have an engine to do that, let's just put those 700 people right in there, like today. Yeah, yeah, you right. <laughs> um, right. 
So to me, it's showing that the goal is awesome. Let's all push for the goal and help how we can. But the engine isn't there to make that happen. Yes, the engine isn't there. And I think there's been a dependency on outside forces for that engine. And I think this might show that you can't rely too much on the outside forces to be the engine to deliver that growth. Does that make sense? Because I think that's kind of where we are, right? Where, okay, we've got these people, we've got, you know, a lot, a lot of these folks are spinning up boot camps, have spun up boot camps. They're getting folks in and they're training them and delivering them to the ecosystem. And that's a great partnership model when it works. But right now, what we see is an example of what happens when it doesn't work and how that can have disproportionate impacts and ripples throughout the entire ecosystem. Hmm. I have to think about that for a bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To me, it's it's such a huge number. I mean, it's yeah. basic, it's like the number is basically saying, let's completely dwarf, dwarf the current size of the ecosystem. So everything <laughs> that we've done in the past 15 years has to be done again and then multiplied in the next two. Yeah, fair. And it's just like mothership could not possibly do that by themselves. Agreed. And the reason I know this is because in the 15 years, like basically we built the community. Yeah. The community built the community, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was great. Like the wiki was awesome and the new community site was awesome. But the momentum was there before that from the rest of us. Absolutely. But what the mothership did do is provide the tool set for that community. Like you mentioned, the wiki. Right. And community, ServiceNow community itself, it created a lot of these gathering places and information sources that the community coalesced around. Right. And then just basically took that to the next level. And so I think with a program like Rise Up, and I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think one of the things that has to be done is providing that tool set so that everyone's not recreating the will every time they want to they want to assist in this mission. Mm hmm. I mean, now learning is great, and I think now learning is an integral part of this. But if I'm building a ServiceNow bootcamp, if I have to spin up the entire thing from scratch, and then if you build one and you spin up the entire thing from scratch, and then seven other people build one and they spin up the entire thing from scratch, at some point I wonder like, if standardization isn't no, uh, of some you. of the processes, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Let's make it like, yeah, somebody has a blueprint, right? And then the market is open to apply their additives, but yes. there's some kind of sense that this is the minimum that you come out with. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right? like no, it's, I can buy that. Yeah, core plus. Here's the core and then there's value add tacked around it, right? And this is what we're gonna bring to the table to make, you know, to differentiate ourselves, but everybody comes out knowing X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C. And ServiceNow has provided the tool set to deliver A, B, and C. In typical CJ in the Duke fashion, we are seven minutes in <laughs> on our first is... tangent before point one. <laughs> Completely off script. Uh, oh, okay. man. Before we do transition, I do want to say I'm completely and totally behind the mission of Rise Up, right? Because I come from an area where there's a lot of folks who could really, really benefit from being in the, IT, in the technology field. And I benefited heavily from being in the technology field. And then I then benefited even more immensely when I transitioned to the ServiceNow field, right? Mm -hmm. So that promise of entering technology and it being life-changing is absolutely real. I wanna be very clear on that because I know that a lot of folks who were impacted by the events of this week, you know, were lured to the specific place with that promise of this thing being life-changing. 
I want yeah. them to know that it absolutely is and can be life changing. Yep. Right. Maybe though that one particular route turned out not to be the route to get you there, but don't give up. It's been life-changing for me, and I had a decent job beforehand. You know what I mean? It wasn't like... Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into the, the FX. So people in various boot camps over the past week who have come to us with a load of questions. We've done a couple Zoom sessions. We're going to try and get some more in there. But there's basically, I feel, there's a huge void of essential information that people are not getting. There's a suite of questions that all have the same answer, I'm finding. Right? All right. And it's stuff like, how do I succeed on an interview? How do I prep for the exams? What other tips and tricks are there for me to get ahead? What else should I read? What videos are out there? What courses are out there besides what's on now learning? And all of these questions have the same answer. And it's stop thinking about information consumption and start thinking about tool usage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Boxer's box. Wrestlers wrestle, plumbers plumb, yeah. drivers drive. At some point, you have to exercise the skill that you are training for. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't read no books for swimming, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you just start off really bad at swimming, really bad. And then it just gets easier and easier and easier. But you cannot avoid the application of the knowledge. And no amount of reading is going to get you there. There's going to be a point where you could do nothing but read 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the next 1,000 years. And it won't get you any further because you haven't touched the tool. Yeah, you got to do it, right? You got to build it. You got to jump in. You got to roll up your sleeves. And you got to get things done, right? You got to make those mistakes. I mean, that's why we got developer.servicenow.com, right? Go in and get your free instance muck around with it, blow it up, then reboot it and do it again. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're really confident with this tool. And the things that you're reading while you're doing that will start to make so much more sense. When they're talking about attributes on a, on a CI, all of a sudden that makes more sense, right? When you're actually looking at the CI in the tool and you see those attributes and you yeah. see how they reference other fields. Or imagine this was 20 some years ago, but the whole idea of an M to M table yeah, I had an hour long lecture on it and all kinds of exercises in class and reading to do, but it never clicked until I was actually in a situation that needed an M to M table. Yeah. And then it was just like, how do I even do it? All the theoretical stuff was gone. Like it just didn't exist in my head anymore. And then I built it once. and It was just like, oh, it was 20 minutes of application. Absolutely. Mark Cuban frames this right as like a run to, a entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur, right? And one of the things he says is that, you know, in order to be an entrepreneur, you got to lie to yourself a little bit. You got to tell yourself, I can do this. You're going to be yeah. scared, but you got to take that one small step of lying to yourself and saying, I can do this. And then starting. Yeah. Once you do that, everything else falls into play. Like a lot of people would tell me, I know what I'm doing. I know yeah. how to use Flow Designer. Okay, tell me what you've built on Flow Designer. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is a non-starter in an interview. They won't accept a definitional answer. Right. They will want to know how this how the thing was applied. And I've used this metaphor a hundred times, but it's basically if you wanted somebody to build you a house and two people showed up at your door, one of them said, look at this portfolio of houses that I've built and everybody loves them. There's great places to have families. You know, they only increase in value. And, you know, they're super sturdy. This one survived a hurricane. And then you have somebody else who's like, oh, man, we're going to bring saws and hammers and nails and stuff. 
the people who describe their tools aren't the attractive ones right to do the work you want right if it's your money you're going to spend a quarter of a million dollars building a house you want the person who's built exquisite houses and has a portfolio of them to show and can talk about all the things that make you feel nice about having a house yeah and so, you can't do that without experience that's right, right. I mean, you can't you can't do that without actually getting your you know rolling your sleeves up getting your hands dirty in the tool and actually doing it and right. what I'd like to say is I, I challenge you, you know, challenge anyone listening to this who's trying to figure out how to get started to set a timeline to say to yourself, OK, I'm going to spend the next week or two weeks reading everything I possibly can about this specific thing. And then at the end of week two, I'm going to get an instance and I'm going to try to implement as much of this stuff as I can. Yeah. And I'm going to fail at it and I'm going to be OK with it. But at that two week point or that one week point, whatever that time frame is, it can't be longer than two weeks. You're going to you're going to spin up an instance and you're getting there and you're going to roll your sleeves up and you're going to start building and you're going to fail and you're going to get better. Yeah. And you're going to keep failing and you're going to keep getting better. And I can guarantee you that if you spend two weeks reading and one week building, you will be much, much better after that week of building than you would have been if you spent that third week reading. There has been counter questions that basically amount to, but how do I get from here to there? Like, how do I get from where I am now, which is just like kind of like a definitional knowledge of the component to something that I can talk about in an interview? And I've broken this down a bit. This is kind of new intellectual material for me. I look at my son who loves tools. He loves tools. He loves building. He loves being on little building projects with me. But if you just leave him with the tools, he won't think twice about grabbing a nail and trying to hammer it in with a screwdriver. And <laughs> to us, it doesn't make that sense. Why would you do that? It doesn't even like, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it would confuse you. But he is learning important stuff about nails and screwdrivers that yep. goes right to his guts. It goes right to his guts. So what I would encourage people to do is as soon as you are taught something new, like here's how a UI policy works. Go use it, but use it like a child would use it. I'm going to practice UI policies. Like anytime I'm going to take an incident and anytime it's priority five, I'm going to make the description mandatory. I'm going to hide the short description and I'm going to make the caller read only. Does that make sense from an ITIL sense? Absolutely not. Not even a who little cares? bit, but who cares, right? It's just that you learned, you used your will and your mind to de determine an outcome, nonsensical as it may be. And then you use the tool to get to it. So you had a successful usage of the tool and you didn't waste any time. Oh, how do I get a, a, a use case? Where can I go online to find use cases that I can build so that I can exercise? Screw it. Make your own exercise. Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's a story of him like he got drafted or something. I'm not, the details are fuzzy, but he's basically at a point in his life where he didn't have access to gyms. So he was out there with his weightlifting buddies. They're just like lifting rocks, like the biggest rocks they can find. And how can we just make our exercises hit the muscles anyway, even though we don't have hyper-optimized gym equipment? That's right. the way you got to think. Use the tools as a child would use them. And as you get comfortable with more and more tools, then you can think of coherent solutions. Now I'm going to build an app. Right. We'd be remiss if we didn't point out, right, that we've done two podcasts on what to build, right? Like one uh, episode, uh, God, we'll put yeah, it in. Yeah, yeah, uh, what to build when you're, yeah. Yeah, we'll put and, it in the, work, in the show notes here, right? If you but, feel like you're not, yeah, if you feel like you're not there yet, again, just wield the tools like a child does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just practice with them. It doesn't matter if you build something profound or sensical, just that you know how it worked.
Absolutely. I think that's the most important thing. It's just to get in there, roll your sleeves up, build, you know, knock, knock it around, man. Just get, just do, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you can figure out doing and then understand, right? Cause you're reading the material anyway. So in theory, you're coming to the tool with the understanding of how it works. Now you just need to actually demonstrate to yourself that you know how the tool works. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a couple of times. It's going to do some things that you won't think that it'll do. And that's where you learn, right? Like I've never learned through success. I always learn through failure. You know, if I come to a, a situation and everything works exactly as I thought it was going to work, what did I learn there? Right. I've already, that means I already knew, you know, whatever it was that I was trying to accomplish. But if I get to a situation and I implement based on what I think, and then it doesn't work. And it's like, oh man, this is a, a situation. <laughs> right. So now it's like, okay, well, how do I make it work? And then that's where, that's where the learning happens. So yeah, don't be scared of failure. Right. I think there's a lot, a little bit of a fear of failure that's intertwined in this, right? Like, you don't want to pick up the tool because you're scared that once you pick it up and you start doing stuff, you won't be able to do the things that you academically know how to do. And that's okay. That's entirely the point, actually, because as you walk through those things and as you fail on the things that you think you know, you can, one, go back and reference that material again, right? Reread it, go and find new courses or new takes on it, or B, brute force it, right? And just bang at it and bang at it until you get the understanding that you need because not everybody learns things the same right so you got to figure out what works for you but you can't skip that building phase yeah you can't skip the actual doing the thing phase because you can't speak to it intelligently at the point where you'll want to which is the job interview well and speaking of interviews i mean that's always that's always an faq question right (laughs) um yeah (laughs) how do i succeed on the interview and part of it we've already said you have to have had time in the seat in the tool because credibility is lever number one. It's the biggest Absolutely. lever, right? If you can show credibility and have credibility, that's like three quarters of the battle done. Yeah. But there's other stuff too, right? Yeah. You know, dude, there's, there's a bunch of stuff. And I wrote, um, you know, actually my last newsletter entry on this was about communication and communication to me, it's the, it's the number one thing you need to be successful on an interview outside of actual competence, right? Like outside of what you just said, Duke, in terms of building. So you have the credibility when you walk in, right? Communication is you have that credibility internally. You got to communicate it to the, to the other person or people so that they understand that you have it. And so, you know, I've got a few points on this, but number one is know your audience, right? Are you interviewing with technical folks? Are you interviewing with strategic folks like executives? Or are you interviewing with the recruiter? Whoever you're interviewing with affects the style of the interview and, and has to affect the style of the communication that you affect in that interview, right? When you're interviewing with a technical person, you want to go deep on what you know and what you've built because they're, they're looking to hear certain, sometimes it's certain words, but also it's certain experiences, right? They, you say that you're good at flow designer. Tell me what you built and how you built it and what you learned over the course of building that thing, right? What was the problem that you were angling to solve? How did you solve it with, with Flow Designer? And what were some of the takeaways that you had? Go deep on it. Don't brush, don't surface it. Because when I'm, if I'm a technical person, I'm thinking about, I need you on my team and I don't want, and I want to see how much mentoring I'm going to have to do for you when you get here, how much technical mentoring I'm going to have to do. Uh, when oh, that's, such a, that's such a good point. You really have to understand what somebody wants when they're interviewing you. Yeah. And what they want is to be able to have confidence that the person they pick, they know exactly what kind of situations they can drop them in and then leave. Yes. And this this brings a whole bunch of stuff together because I see a lot on 
like resumes like, oh, I'm a fast learner and good at picking up new skills. And it's just literally nobody cares. Uh, And it's it's a hard truth, but it's still true because what they don't want to do is have to spend their time training you, right? Yeah. And that's why it's so important to get neck deep in the tool and try and build stuff so that you have a body of work, even though nobody's paid you for that. Yeah. Okay. But you can have a body of work like, hey, I built this app uh, trying to restock grocery stores or schedule the logistics for 18 wheelers or, or whatever it is, you know, to manage an ice cream bike business. Who cares? You, at least then you can talk about the class, the type of problem that you have solved. And then in their head, without them even thinking about it, they already know like five or six things on site that they can drop you into and then leave. And you're already providing value. This person will take care of this thing for me. They are not there to teach you, which that sucks, part. but it's true. They're not there to teach you the new tool. Then let me let me elaborate too on that, dude, because I think it's that part of it, right? Like knowing what they can drop you into and leave and that they are okay walking away from these tasks. Like I can give you subsets Y through Z, right? And I know you can handle that on your own. As you demonstrate that you can handle that on your own, it opens up the inclination to mentor on other things, right? Because you've executed on the tasks that person was able to assign to you and walk away on, right? So it's building your internal credibility once you get there, right? That then opens up the mentoring and opens up the training opportunities, but nobody wants to grab you off the shelf, right? And And have to train you from zero to 60. I mean, some people do, right? Like there are definitely avenues for that. And again, this is about knowing your audience, right? When you're, when you're sitting down in an interview, some people are looking for a completely raw talent and will put the zero to 60 work in, but other people are looking at least for you to be at 20, maybe or 10 or 15 or whatever, 25. They want you, they want to have something to work with. They want to be able to know what tasks they can offload from them to you, see how good you do at that, and then start skilling you up so they can offload more tasks, right? Because they're not looking to run a training academy, right? This is a job and they need people to actually do client work. That's right. They want somebody to do the work. They don't want yes. to have to teach to do the work. And it's absolutely. Like, that's a, it's, a, it's a spectrum, right? It's not like, a, a you know, they absolutely won't train you nothing, never. It's not that. It's just that when they are taking their own energy and time to vet candidates, it's because they want somebody they can drop in and start going. How much can this person do day one without me showing them the ropes, teaching them the tools, teaching them the ways of doing things? So this is another thing, like why it's essential to both understand the tools, but also learn to talk about the outcomes, right? Because it amplifies the class of problem that you can be put on. So if they say, have you ever used flow designer? Yes, I know how flow designer works. I've used different logics and I've built a custom action and put good logging in. I understand. So you're describing the technical capabilities of the tool and what you've used. That basically says, okay, I can comfortably tell that person, here's a flow designer I want you to build in this way. And I will be confident that they can do it. But if you told me I use a flow designer to take orders, check inventory, and manage the communications based off of what it finds in the inventory, and take a different path if inventory is empty versus inventory is full so that we could provision, I don't know, headsets. I'm like, oh, well, the class of problem I can put that person on is this customer over here needs some problem solved. Go solve their problem. Yeah. And it's a completely different class of problem. A higher class problem, if I may say so. You have more earning potential. It's a bigger size problem. Am I right? 
No, you're absolutely right. Ultimately, I felt in this business, everything's about solving problems, right? Like you're solving somebody's problem either at, you know, at the bottom or, you know, as you kind of move up the stack, right? Sometimes the problem is, you know, I want this field to be read-only when a certain thing happens. Another time, the thing might, the problem might be, we need to track the inventory because we're bleeding money and we don't feel like we're utilizing properly the headphones that we, that we're buying. Right. And that might be the class of the problem. It's a much bigger bucket, but if you demonstrate that you've done something like that before, right, you might get a bigger bucket problem, which ultimately over the course of your career opens up more opportunities. Right. Yeah. So, but you don't get there unless you, unless you build yeah. something. Right. Build <laughs> so that's, that's, you know, ultimately we can always tie it back to the experience of building something. Think about it this way too, like building to specification, the only way you can get scale on that to be seen as a dragon slayer to command higher and higher compensations is complexity is the only lever. You right. only get ahead there by being able to do more and more and more and more complex things if you're building to specification, but you're not there yet. You're at the start. Okay. Absolutely. But if you can understand what problem this person had and I utilize the tool to perform the outcome that they wanted, that whole like building to specification part almost isn't needed. Right out the gate, you show that you can take on a different class of problem. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> it does. And it's about, again, right? It ties back into knowing your audience and showing them what they want to hear. Like from a technical perspective, folks are looking to understand what you can do. There's other, you know, audiences that you're going to have too from a recruiting perspective, right? Like they want to know that you're completely well-rounded. Right. They want to know that you can actually do the thing. They want to know that you can communicate, that you can do the thing. And they want to know that, you know, you're going to be someone who's a sure bet or a solid bet on putting them in front of their client because they get paid if you get hired. Right. Yeah. So they're looking for a, a more rounded candidate. Right. So they're looking for different skills. Right. Not just the technical, but also communication and polish and things of that nature. It's funny, like the scale of experience of somebody that was, that's another question that comes up and it's like, what about when they say you need X years of experience, two years of experience. And what shocked me, I I spoke to a large cohort of people last night and we were talking about the whole BA thing and we won't go deep into that. You can check out our episode. It'll be in the description below on what we think about BA or what I think about BAs. But what shocked me was a lot of people were picking the BA route because they felt the admin route was closed off. They felt more often than not, admins have some kind of like minimum threshold of experience that needs to happen. And the BAs more often than not don't. And so it's like, let's just go for the BA role. It shocked me that that was the reason. Right. And the reason it shocks me is that years of experience is not the goods. It's the token of the goods. Yeah, dig into that one a little bit. Okay, so it's like, think about money in general, right? Money is just a metaphor. It just prevents us from having to have dual coincidence of wants, right? Like you want shoes, I want a steak. And you don't happen to have a steak and I don't happen to have shoes, so we can't make a trade, right? Or, Or I have the shoes, but you don't have a steak, we still can't make the trade. But if we have right. money, which is just a token of exchange, you can just give me money. I will give you the shoes and I will go buy a steak. <laughs> right? right? And so like years of experience is that weird thing in the middle where it's like, it, uh, it doesn't really mean anything to anybody unless we use it to trade. It's yeah, right. It's buying authenticity. 
that's right and so it's like <laughs> and here's something that's going to be super you get nothing out of the video uh, nothing else out of this get this it's that you can challenge those expectations so if you get to a point where they're like yeah but do you have two years experience the first thing i would do is challenge that obstacle okay you want two years of experience but tell me the skills that you hope i would achieve in that two years right because it might be something that you have <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. They're, they're using two years as a token. They just, we assume that within two years, you might have a come across this. Right. And so you tell us two years, we accept that you might have it. You might have it. Yeah. Think about all the times where it'd be like, okay, well, we want a ServiceNow admin with two or five years experience, right? But when you get on site, you have your five years experience. You get on site and they're like, hey, can you develop the service portal? And you're like, ah, uh, dude, I'm not a portal developer. Right. Hopefully right, that they, will come they, out. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they would have assumed that, you know, if you've got five years of experience in service now, yeah. you've probably come across a portal and did some work there. But that's not always the case. Right. And do you go? Sorry, I keep on interrupting you, buddy. I'm so sorry. No, I'm okay. just like so stoked today. <laughs> and, and so the important thing, and I like I really love the way that you phrase that. Right. It's like when you say I need someone with two years of experience, like, tell me why. Right. Tell me what you're hoping to gain from a person with two years of experience. Then I could tell you if I already have that. And we can talk about how I have that already and I can demonstrate that I have that already. And we yeah. can get rid of this arbitrary token that's in the middle of the years of experience, right? Because I'm brokering to you now and I'm proving to you that I've got the skill set that you're actually looking for. Because you don't right. care about the experience, right? Like you care about the skills. It arbitrary is the thing too. Like you guys have no idea how weird the hiring process is. It could be, <laughs> you could have somebody who wants a ServiceNow admin who's desperate for it. Who's like, get me anybody who can spell ServiceNow. And then that goes to somebody else who writes the job description that gets approval by somebody in HR. And you could have HR being like, oh, well, it says developer. So they have to, they have to have cold fusion on there. That's on our developer template. They have right. to have three years experience because that's our best practice. That stuff half the time is coming from literally nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Arbitrary is the best way to discuss, to tackle it. And so your two rules, if they're giving you any kind of like X years experience obstacle is number one, apply and let them decide. And number yep. two, if they bring it up, challenge it. What specifically did you hope I would have learned in two years? Because I think I might have it. And, you know, there's a there's a third one, too, here. Right. And if this is a situation where you're doing a formal application process right near requesting a cover letter and you know that, you know, they're asking for two years of experience, you've got six months. Right. Mm -hmm. Address that in the cover letter. Presumably they're asking for a cover letter to learn more about you and how that you, you relate to this particular job. Diffuse that time bomb up front. It's like you guys ask for two years of experience. You know, I don't have two years, but I do have. This is what I can do. This is what I have done. And if you call me in for an interview, we can talk about it. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know, man, that's like, another like, one. I don't know what the question was they were saying, but know what you can do. Yeah. Oh my God. So <laughs> let me, let me jump in here, dude. Cause this is one of the things, right. You know, because I tell people all the time, a resume isn't what you've done. A resume is about what you can do. When you're selling yourself, you're going in and you're talking about the things that you can actually do and not so much all the stuff that you might've done in the past. Now you not where the stuff that you've done in the past is relevant is key because it also pivots into what you can actually do as well. Like there's so much stuff here in the, um, on the ServiceNow platform that's relatable from one thing to the next, like incident management and problem management from a technical perspective, right? Forms and data and lists, ACLs, UI policies is all the same. 
right? Mm -hmm. If I can build out the requirements and incident management, I can build out the requirements and problem management. So there, so from, if somebody's asking me if I've done problem management and I've done incident management, I'll say, yeah, I can do problem management. Notice how I phrased that. Yeah, I can yeah. do, not, not I have done. Yeah, I can do problem management, right? Because I've have, I have the platform experience of knowing how this works. Now, if they're asking me, you know, can I lead an engagement on problem management? And I've never led an engagement on problem management before, and I'm not a domain expert on problem management, then the, the answer is obviously different. But if they're wanting me to participate as a developer on in the problem management module, and I've built incident management, yeah, I can do that, right? Because it's all on the platform. It's all largely the same. There are some exceptions to that, right? Like you should never do anything at ITBM unless you've done stuff in ITBM. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, or HR too, right? Like those are completely different things. But for 80% of the platform, those experiences are transferable between modules. So don't get intimidated when someone asks you if you've done something in problem management, if you've only done something in incident management, if you're just coming in to be a general platform developer yeah. in those modules. I would just add carefully that you can't just say yes, right? Yeah, <laughs> You would have exactly. to justify it a bit by saying like, okay, I haven't done problem management, but I've done incident management and they're basically processes of the same scale. Yeah, and so right. I had this level of knowledge when I did implement incident management. So how do you feel problem management would radically differ from that? Make them justify why it's so different. And, and also tell them why it's the same. Like yeah. I've built UI processes in incident management and I'm sure I can yeah. do, I mean, UI actions, I'm sure I can do UI actions in problem management because I mean, it's the same thing. It's just a different table. Once you've built the UI action somewhere, you can build a UI action anywhere sort of thing. Right. So make the, make those comparisons, make them understand that what they're asking for, even if you only, if you're missing 20% of the thing that they're asking for, 80% of your skill set is transferable. And so it's not as big of a deal as it looks like. Being able to articulate what you can do just comes down to understanding that they are looking for ways they can drop you into the fray and leave. So the more yeah. things you could say, I know how to do flow designer. Here's something I did on flow designer, right? Here are the outcomes. I know how to develop a portal. Here's a portal that I built and the outcomes it created. I know how to, you know what I mean? As long as you can articulate the kinds of builds you can do. Yeah. And not yeah. just say, yes, I know flow designer, because that literally means nothing, right? It's too vague. Yeah. Like articulating that is just telling the interviewer, here's exactly where you can place me with zero energy on your own. Like, when can I start? Right. Anyways, we are at 40 minutes. Uh, is, there any, <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to cover, Corey? Or? I mean, Duke, we, we covered a lot here. The wrap up on it is probably that we encourage you all to build, right? Build as quickly as possible. And if you're still nervous about building and you can't make yourself jump into it, set a definitive time at which you're going to build regardless, right? Because you can't get any further unless you do that. Um, you know, communication, when you start talking, thinking about interviews, right? Like it's all about knowing your audience, right? Listening actively. It's about body language, tone and demeanor, right? Like, and it's, and it's about being clear and, you know, expressing yourself clearly. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's like the years of experience don't matter. It's the skill set, right? It's that you know, user of experience, like you said, it's that token, right? It's an mm -hmm. arbitrary token that's meant to represent the skill set that they're looking for, yeah. right? You can diffuse that by going straight to the skill set. Yeah. That's a great place to leave it. Just a couple things, folks. If you are in one of these boot camps and you want to be like Corey and I are thinking about doing kind of a weekly powwow FAQ session. So if you want to be in on that, please reach out to us 
If you are still stuck on what to build, also please re- reach out to us. And man, just reach out to us. <laughs> we're here to help you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We're here. All right. So if you need us, we're, uh, you reach out. See you on the next one. Later. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.